weeknights from 6 on 2FM. Yes, big thanks to the two Johnnies for keeping us entertained this afternoon. It's great to have the lads back. It is Monday, the 23rd of January, and you are listening to Game On. Coming up this evening, Stephen Kelly and Alan Colley on Everton's next move as Lampard gets the boot. And after yesterday's drama, we'll ask, can Arsenal continue their title push in the second half of the season? And here's Trossard now, uses Zinchenko. Zinchenko's ball across, Odegaard, Stamford by Inkedia! Yes, indeed. In rugby, we'll hear from Johnny Sexton and Warren Gatland at today's Six Nations launch. And hopefully we'll have a happy Stephen Ferris on the line. Now we'll serve our guest in the last 16 of the Champions Cup. Looking for try number three. Ball back on the other side. Surely up and over. Yes, they are. And it's Vermeulen who's got it, I'm pretty sure. What a finish by Ulster. What a finish by Ulster. The third try. This is the result that the crowd needed, the team needed. And now... Ulster look like they're going to be through to the knockout stage of Europe. And in Gaelic games, we'll reflect on the career of Kerry great David Moran as he leaves the inter-county stage. And John Fogarty will get us up to date on the latest on the Glen v. Croaks saga. As always, if you want to get in touch, you can text us on 51552 or tweet us at GameOn2FM. GameOn2FM. So Shane Dawson, as an out-and-out... Shells fan, how it's would you feel? Take you twenty seconds to, to get how that would, reference in. How would you feel if Pats had twelve on the pitch and Shells <laughs> lost? Um, in this hypothetical situation, I, you know, I, I can imagine. Would you be looking for a replay? Is I, what I'm saying. Listen, uh, take away the twelve man and Shelburne aspect. If I was a Glen of Derry man, Ruby, I would absolutely be looking for a replay. I don't know how you feel. I mean. It's myself and Alan Carley were only chatting about it here as well, very briefly before we, before we came on air. Like rules are rules, them's the rules, them's them's the breaks. And I suppose we have to give a bit of context for any any people who may not have an interest in Gaelic games first and foremost, and may not know what we're referring to or what you were alluding to. Uh, firstly, I am a Shells fan, hence Rufy's uh, pointed question. But it was uh, the last kick of the game in the All Ireland Club final between Glen of Derry and Kilmacud Croaks of. Dublin, uh, Croaks were leading by two points and Glenn had a last minute injury time, 45, which they were lofting in to try to get a, a winning goal right at the end and Kilmacud Croaks had an extra man on the pitch interfering with play might be a, a loaded word to say interfering and they had a 17th man, albeit he was off near the sideline uh, as well, so I, I would be asking for the replay, Ruby Surely you would. I, I suspect you had that winning mentality of an elite sports person. Well, rules are rules. Uh, so, yeah. So, it's a bit like saying, well, look, I carried in a horse race three pounds less than I was supposed to, but I won 25 lengths, so it didn't make any difference. The rule is you didn't carry the correct weight, so unfortunately you wouldn't have won the race. So, uh, you can't win the race. So, I would think the same. I would say there's going to be a fine. looks like Lens are taking it on the chin, but that's the... The gist of what I'm reading anyway, Shane, the yeah. Glens aren't going to lodge an appeal. Um, but they are the rules. Alan Colley, have you any thought on it? Plenty, Ruby, yeah. Uh, <laughs> really? Plenty. <laughs> That'll surprise you. <laughs> Alan Colley has an opinion. I, I'd be, I'd, yeah, 
how much like how much did it really impact the result that's the question I know what you're saying rules are rules but to be fair when I, I was reading obviously today Glenn are saying they're going to take it on the chin I think when you look up look at the game itself did that decide the game no it didn't to be fair and they were beaten on the day fair and square so I don't know if it's just messy for the GA should it be up to Glenn? Should Glenn have to appeal? Should this not be in the GAA's hands? Should they not be the ruling body, the organising body? Should they not be making their decision on this? Yeah, I think absolutely. Yeah, should, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, who, who's like you don't want to point blame at anybody, but who kind of made the mistake here? Like, was it the referee? The linesman should have seen that. Obviously, there was a substitution being made. Um, does mistakes people make mistakes? The, you know? the, there's officials there on the sideline yeah. to oversee substitutions the card has to be handed by a member of the backroom team so that should be the case but also like we'll be just discussing this uh, a bit later on with John Fogarty and we'll be getting into it in in minute detail as well but is that where it's slightly different but, but it should be up to Croaks as well of you have an extra man on the pitch. But when, it, when, I, when I'm at Gaelic matches, the substitutes are literally running on and off nearly. It's almost like roll on, roll off. It's not like so, a, a game of football where you stop the game and the board is held up and a player, you actually see him physically walk off. Like, it's slightly different in that regard. Yeah. But and was it just an over... Obviously, it was just an oversight on their part. But it's, it's, one, it's one player too anxious. He's running on trying to get to the to get on before the other fella gets off. And then you could say, well, Glenn should have waited for the player to have left the pitch to take the free kick. I don't think the onus is on them. I would have said it was on the referee not to allow the game to restart until he knew he only had 30 players on the pitch, mm. not 32, as it seems, not even 31. But anyway... We, but that's where I think, would... Ruby, the substitutions in Gaelic, it's chaotic. Like so, so if the referee has to stop every time there's a substitution made and count that there's 30 players, well, <laughs> there's it, be a lot of stoppages. It's not just the referee, you have umpires, you have yeah. officials on the sideline, never. However, John Fogarty of the Irish Examiner will be getting into detail on that. I'm sure that wasn't your sporting highlight of the weekend. Jens, <laughs> Alan, what was yours first? Well, I'm going for a local one this week, Shane, because I was down home and I went to an FEI Junior Cup last 32 match. Hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> you were down home. You're from Sligo. Yeah, what what was up? What should I say? You were over at over home. home. You don't go down to Sligo from Dublin. You go over. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, Ruby. Yeah. I've been saying down for since oh since God. I moved up. That's there. like I'm going down to Dublin when you live in Cork. Well, down home, yeah. Over you go, home. Do you go down home, Ruby? Yeah, you're. I go down from Kil- Dublin to Kildare. Yeah. yeah okay. Kildare's just like a satellite town of Dublin these days anyway, that's it yeah. 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 well anyway so I was down home <laughs> there he goes <laughs> <laughs> and I went to an FEI Junior Cup match last 32 a local club Strand Celtic were involved against a team from Limerick Regional absolute cracker Shane extra time <laughs> last minute winner we had it all and I got the tea and biscuits and well looked after as well from um, all the people involved at Strand Celtic so I have to give them a big shout out <laughs> brilliant match shout-out. I wasn't expecting that answer it actually <laughs> was a brilliant game it went to extra time I don't think any of us were, were we? No, Ruby, you got any local junior soccer matches? No, I wasn't at any local junior soccer match this weekend. Um, GAA training has restarted, but no, I wasn't at any local soccer matches. But my highlight was actually watching Gary Ringrose playing for Leinster. Um, I know it's an incredible backline. Jemison Gibson Park, Ross Byrne, Jamie Osborne, Gary Ringrose, the two wingers, Larmer and Jimmy O'Brien, and you've got Hugo Keane in a full-back, but I thought Gary Ringrose was outstanding at the weekend, and he has been for a long time. Mm. And look, every time he pulls on that jersey, he's pulling on Brian O'Driscoll's jersey, but by God, is he making a job of filling it. I'm a man of the people, Shane, but I will give you an, an, an elite-level <laughs> sporting moment as well. And... I watched Paul Carrington for about four hours yesterday in that final round and he was absolutely incredible. And when you think of like the young whippersnappers that we're calling him playing golf at the moment and he's 51, still producing at that level, I've great time and respect for these people who are still doing it 
well into their kind of can you say latter years but he's been around so long he's had such an unbelievable career and when people talk about the greatest sports people of Ireland that we've ever had he's right up there Okay, okay. Shane you a highlight I have uh, a couple of highlights. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the hipsters' choice as well. Ala Alan Carley. I was at a women's Leinster uh, Cup match in Kilkenny where Whitehall Rangers defeated New Park six three. Uh, friend of the show Rebecca Cray. Uh, that's her team, Whitehall Rangers. So I was down uh, to watch that match. But also my two sporting highlights were firstly on a very sincere note, Sebastian Haller. Borussia Dortmund uh, striker made his debut after winning a battle with testicular cancer. So he came on after 60 minutes in a 4-3 win over Augsburg uh, in the Bundesliga. So really, really good to see uh, Sebastian Haller back and a bit more, uh, I suppose, light-hearted. Liam Smith, uh, the morning after defeating Chris Eubank Jr., missed a penalty late on for his Sunday league team with five minutes to play in a cup match, and they went on to lose 1 0. <laughs> that was my highlight purely because how he was c- conducted himself yeah. before the fight. So I was delighted to see, with respect to Liam Smith's Sunday league team who got knocked out in the. Uh, well, I was raging that he won. He was. Uh, yeah, but that's, yeah, no, I think, as, as are many people, as are many people. Um, let's continue with soccer. Stephen Kelly's on the line. Stephen Kelly, what was your sporting highlight of the weekend? <laughs> There's some beauties in there. I've just been listening. Um, oh, well, listen, I've been watching football all weekend, and I'd say seeing Ferguson getting another goal that genuinely just puts a smile on your face when you see young Irish scoring goals in the Premier League. It's it's an amazing to do to get to that level and to be scoring goals on a regular basis now with the attitude he has. Yeah, I I got to give that to Ferguson. That's a nice highlight to have. One that escaped me. I didn't even realise that. Were you impressed with him? Yeah, he, he impressed me every time I see him. Colin, we've done loads of 21s games as well, and he's been impressive there. Like, he's a 17 year old in the 21s. You're kind of thinking, this lad has got a chance. And then he just seems to just like a duck to water. It doesn't phase him. His attitude is brilliant. His hard work, he's grafting. The goal he scored as well, he comes onto it from deep and just attacks it so well in the box bottom. It's almost a goal you see Haaland score, just arriving lay header in the far corner. Like, it's. For such a young lad, he just seems to have so much about him, so much, he's so calm, he's so collected, um, and he just seems to have a drive and a determination as well. So, honestly, I'm, I'm really excited about him. Don't want to get too excited like we do with these young lads in Ireland. <laughs> Don't want to put them on a pedestal just so they fall off. But I think this one has, has, got, has got potential. Well, just to throw a cat amongst the pigeons here, John Bruin of The Guardian writes in uh, The Guardian's top 10 um, review points of the weekend's action. Time for Ireland to move fast on Ferguson. For Declan Rice and Jack Grealish, read Evan Ferguson. Brighton's scoring sensation qualifies to play for England by virtue of his mother. Might the nightmare scenario of a player who turned out for Ireland beating his chest on the three lines repeat itself? This time, it's unlikely. Ferguson's career is guided by his father, Barry, who was a trainee at Coventry where he met his English wife. Ferguson Sr. is a former Ireland Jute International who played alongside Damien Duff current Shelburne manager and indeed Robbie Keane and works as development officer for the FAI Alan Colley that may be somewhat tongue in cheek but is he a shoe in now to start against France young Ferguson yeah and that's a non-story as well uh, he <laughs> that's never happened I know his dad very well and he's a proud Irish man um, so and Evan obviously has grown up here all his life so that's a non-story you take that up with John Brown of the Guardian we, we've had enough heartbreak in terms of those <laughs> other lads but anyway um, no he's absolutely brilliant and what I love about him as well when you look at him scoring the goal at the weekend and the one thing that makes me 
kind of believe and give me hope in terms of him to go on and, and have a real serious career at the highest level because he has a brilliant temperament and mentality and when you look at him scoring there was no kind of running away celebrating straight for the ball grab it out of the back of the net get it up to the half line and we try and get the winner so he has a brilliant mentality brilliant temperament I think the manager as well was clever in the sense that he started the previous couple of games left him out at the weekend and brought him on so they're managing him as well and his game time also Shane and you don't want to be pinning too much on the young fella so soon um, so I think he's had a really good club to develop in terms of getting enough game time uh, contributing the manager will look after him there's good senior pros around the club and Adam Lalana, Lewis Dunk the likes of those lads that'll bring him on as well so I think it's 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 all it's all good for Evan Ferguson at the moment Stephen that's one career on the way up another career not so much on the up is Frank Lampard's sacked as Everton manager earlier today there well, second, second two from the bottom in the Premier League only 15 points they've only won three games I suppose it was coming for Frank Lampard wasn't it? Charles I was surprised it didn't have after the Southampton defeat um, <clears throat> it's been on the cards I almost feel like you put me out of his misery but you've seen him interviews and after the games and he just he looks a shadow of himself absolute shadow of himself and you know that's what I'm not being in top level management but I can imagine that's what it does to you being in a club like that with the fans and it's it's so toxic there at the moment because of everything else going on in the background they're so dis- they're so disgruntled with the board and with everything else that to try and succeed there was going to be so hard and when a manager is just kind of finding his feet in the game so I think it's it was it was inevitable it was going to happen and then after after losing to Moisey as well I think that was that was the, the nail in the coffin Alan 18 games left 15 points on the board who do Everton turn to to keep themselves up yeah I think the obvious ones because of the position to find, to find themselves in people talking about Sam Allardyce and I saw Bielsa's name linked I don't think that would be a good appointment he's the bookie's favourite yeah I'm not sure about that one but mm. I, I think Sean Dyche is probably the one that Dyche. they'll end up yeah. going for mm. um, huge experience at Premier League level probably itching to get back he's had a period of time out probably itching to get back as well and because of the position that they find himself in and obviously Dyche has done so well in that, in that regard with, with Burnley down the kind of bottom near the table so um, I'm not surprised that Lampard has gone either to be honest Ruby I, I think it was on the cards but the club itself there's bigger problems at Everton than Frank Lampard and the board is in absolute chaos at the moment as Stephen said uh, it's toxic environment around the club um, it's real messy at the moment and they're in danger of getting relegated like and who mm-hmm. would have thought that regardless of the recruitment and the money they spent and all that kind of stuff they still have a good enough squad there not to be in that position but I think they're in, in real danger going down It is unfortunate to see the, the situation that they're in and I suppose where to next the one name that I suppose hasn't been mentioned that I I pose to the room and I'm uh, elongating this question because it's actually I've I've lost his name Lee Carsley that's who it was it was on the tip of my tongue Mm. Lee Carsley I suppose Stephen if if I put that name to you a man who's respected a coaching there was rumours that he might be in line to take Mm. over from Stephen Kenny if he was to depart from Ireland as well surely you need someone that knows the club that the fans could get on board with as well considering how toxic it is at the moment I think Carsey, um for a manager, I think, you know, from everything I've heard, I've met him on more than a few occasions. I've played with Carzo as well at club and country. Um, but since he's gone into the coaching side of things, I've done quite a bit with him. And we've, we've been on my coaching badges. He was involved. And he, he's fantastic. He says he's so insightful. Um, and I know he's, he's a legend at everything. But I, I, I think... For to go in, I know that wouldn't be his first post, but to go in t- into that scenario with the way that club is at the moment, 
<clears throat> I'm not sure anybody want to take that on for the, the first real real hit at it. I'm sure they'd be talking to him, maybe looking to get him in and the coaching staff and the backroom staff to have something like that would be invaluable, I think. But to throw him in as manager now, and I don't think he, he he's he's in a great position with the FA. He's absolutely loved by them. Like he's come right through the ranks. He was he was so heavily involved in a, a development scheme when it comes to North and South Divide about bringing the two elements together for the FA in, in the coaching terms. And now he's in with the 21s. I, I think. I couldn't imagine him taking that post, but would it make sense to get him involved in the club? Absolutely, because I think his coaching credentials, I think he's excellent. Well, it's a long road for Everton, whatever way you look at it, but Al, can Arsenal beat their way down the long road there on to the, t- the title Premiership champions? Yeah, absolutely, Ruby. I've been saying this now for a few weeks. Uh, they're very much the real deal, absolutely. They're the favourites, obviously, and rightly so. They win the game in hand, I think, to go eight points clear. And eight points is a big gap. I know Man City, obviously, have all the, the firepower in terms of the resources and obviously the players and the depth, the squad and all that kind of stuff and the experience, and they've been there, done it as well. But I just think the momentum that Arsenal have built up over the course of the season. And the one thing as well... And I often speak about this about teams that are successful and I was only reading again about it this morning. They've continuity every week in their team selection. He rarely makes changes only if he has to. Obviously, Jesus is out at the moment and, and Ketty has come in. But seven of that 11 have played every minute of the Premier League so far. So he's only making the odd change here and there, Shane. Um, I think what he's done, Arted, has been absolutely fantastic. The football that they play is brilliant. Saka is an absolute revelation and he's been like that for some time. Odegaard has stepped up to a new level this year as well. I think Xhaka and Partey can him very well in the midfield too the signing of Zinchenko has been absolutely brilliant along with Jesus I know he's missing at the moment but I thought they were brilliant again yesterday United put it up to them for a good hour and I think it just showed yesterday for me the difference in the development in the two teams Arsenal are just a good bit down the road to Man United at the moment and obviously United are only starting can you say under Ten Hag and he's done a brilliant job as well but I just felt while they were competitive for an hour the quality of Arsenal took over in that last half an hour to dominate and deserve to win the evolution of Arsenal, the evolution of, of Mikel Arteta, um, Stephen, did this win and the manner of victory of, of this really show the mental resilience of the team that perhaps was missing in recent times? Oh, for such a long time, they, they were, you felt like Arsenal were kind of a pushover. They, they just had no, they almost had no backbone. You felt like if you got into them or you're physical with them, they, they couldn't resist that. Whereas this team looks very different. They're, they're, they're so happy and content in the, in the shape they're playing, in the style they're playing. And what was, what was really impressive, I think, is, is they didn't rest on the laurels. But they went for that win. They, they weren't holding back. They were still pushing, still getting forward, still creating ch- chances. Saka hit the post as well. Um, and the business they're doing off the field, like they missed out Mudrick, who I think is a sensation. Um, and you know Chelsea have just gone ridiculous money to get him in there. But they've gone and got Trossard now. And you kind of feel... It's a very clever business. It's a player that knows the league and come in and if, if you take a piece out of that front three out, Trossard could slot in and probably do a very comfortable job. It kind of reminds me of when Liverpool got Jota. I don't think they'd be out of balance by putting him in anywhere in those front three. Yeah, Jesus back as well, but it's just whether or not City can catch them and if City can beat them, I, I I think I think Tottenham poked the bear. <laughs> I think they just live and City up the other day and I'm kind of looking now thinking City could win every game for the rest of the season. Alan, City could win every game. But when you look at Arsenal, they've only lost one, and that was against United when Arteta made a few strange substitutional calls on, on the day. I mean, he hasn't made any mistakes since, but like they've only lost one game out of 19. That's incredible going, and two draws. I mean, they're, they're, they're doing nothing wrong, are they? No, nothing wrong, Ruby. That's exactly it. The 50 points out of a possible 57. It's incredible uh, after only 19 games. And like we speak about, obviously, the brilliant 
rivalry with Liverpool and Man City over the last two or three years and when they were hitting 100 points Arsenal are on bang on target for that as well if they were to keep it going and maintain this run of form and as you said it's hard to see anybody stopping them or beating them at the moment because of the form that they're in so I do think they're the real deal he's done a brilliant job even if you go back to that game against United the first one they were the better team that day as well and United caught them on the counter attack as uses when he was making a couple of substitutions And um, but he's he's been absolutely brilliant Arteta he gets highly excited on the line I think he needs to calm down a little bit on the line as well because a little bit. he's he's oh. overstepping the mark for me the odd time but uh, and I lo- I know he's very passionate as well and I think to be fair he's rattled Guardiola's cage as well and it's a good thing I think for the league because it's like almost Ruby when you've been the top jockey and a little pup is coming along and he's pulling at your heels and all it's almost that with Arteta obviously he's been under the understudy for Guardiola Guardiola speaks very highly of him they've obviously a very good relationship but I'm sure Guardiola's not too pleased when he sees Arteta being the one putting it up to him at the moment and beating them as well so I think it's good for the league in that regard that we have a genuine title race as well between the two of them it most certainly is and Stephen talking about the title race obviously City went and won 3 nil at the weekend Haaland back on form netting the three against Wolves but it was a good performance but are they as good at th- this is sounds going to sound crazy but is Haaland I know it's coming don't ask it don't ask it it is it's it's so it's such a funny thing the guy that scored what 25, 25 goals are they a better team without him like it, it's it seems crazy to be having that conversation but I think it's just City are, are kind of transitioning into how to play with having him in your team because City would just normally dominate possession have just just pack you in in your own third and just literally pass you off the park and score goals cross across the box tap ins for wingers coming in and they just terrorise you you'd never get the ball back where they've changed slightly in, in that sense because they've had to play transition game at times play forward quickly get the balls into the area loftier balls into the box for him to head which is not what you've seen from a pep side over the last few seasons especially not from City um, but I, I do think they're finding their feet and you know the way the Spurs game I was at and the way they came out the second half and Pep almost was like right you got yourselves into the mess get yourself over Mares was unbelievable the second half and since then I kind of think you know what that, that could be the catalyst to send them forward De Bruyne is back on the side he's setting Haaland up I think if anybody can stop Arsenal it's them and I, I could see them beating Arsenal home and away absolutely I could see them beating Arsenal home and away with what they have Diaz to get back fit as well um, I just I just I just it's so hard for me to say anything against them at the moment because I think they could go on and like I said win every game for the rest of the season Arsenal have won the Premier League Do you think? done done well, job I, they're done my favourites I know Steven's in there and of course with the quality Man City have they could beat Arsenal but I, I think Arsenal are a better team yeah. than Man City at the mm. moment um, he's just making too many changes as well Guardiola he's chopping and changing every match the, the Haaland one is so interesting and I know we're kind of laughing about it but yeah. it is bizarre to think a bloke that bangs on a hat yeah that's weekend. a genuine question <laughs> <laughs> who yeah, scored 50 yeah, goals in the league and I, and I, think I was nearly be, afraid to ask it yeah. <laughs> I know it's mad and I think to be fair there's probably both of them have to adjust I think Haaland has to get used to obviously the Man City way and Man City have to get used to Haaland's way I suppose so they have to meet in the middle somewhere there but when you think of the goals that he scored and like he's on course to hit 40-45 goals and it'll, it'll probably we'll see his strength as well when it comes to the Champions League and those knockout games and games that decide matches at the moment obviously you're beating teams relatively easily but when it comes down to them kind of the business end of things in the Champions League and you want someone to step up that's where they fell short I felt the last couple yeah. of years so to have him for that now but 
how can anyone think it's a negative to have him in the team? Here's another thing. I, I think that if City had a Kane, Kane is a better fit for that team than what Haaland is because the way he plays, because okay. of his style he, and his technical ability. Yeah, and I agree with that as well, but would he, would he have 25 yeah. goals now with this team? I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't know. He probably, to be honest, I, there's no reason he couldn't, I don't think, in that team because the way they create my chances, but it's just for the way Pep plays, mm. Kane... Is a, is more fitted to the style than what Haaland is, but yeah, Haaland is is unstoppable, which is yeah, it's a ridiculous debate to be having. <laughs> see, when, uh, it is ridiculous, to say it, right? But say you say City have had to change the way they play, right? So mm. by having the transition quicker and hitting loftier balls, has that meant? Is that the reason why they've leaked more goals than Arsenal because they're transitioning? Yeah. It is because, and and also defensively, they've they've missed some key players. Like Diaz being out, I think, is huge for them. And um, Walker coming towards a different stage in his career as well. And I think Cancelo, he's been he's kind of been feeling that defensively a little bit because it's because they don't have as much, they do have the same they do have huge amounts of possession, but it's it's slightly reduced and they give teams more opportunities to win. If you have centre backs and defenders that want to go and win head tackle and clear balls. The way they're playing will give you more opportunities to go and do that. Where if it's all on the ground, ticky-tacky and around you, it's very hard to win the ball back. So they give you a better chance to try and win long, loftier balls by just stepping in and winning. And then if you can counter-attack, be quick on the break, catch them off guard, you're, you're putting their defence up to it. And without Diaz and without with him struggling, I think that, that makes a difference. I think as well, Ruby, and that goes back to the point about the continuity. With, with You look at Arsenal's back four, Ben White, Rifle, Saliba and Gabriel. I know Zinchenko's had a couple of injuries being in and out, but it's it's... Genu- it's generally that back four every match where Man City are chopping and changing every week to the point where he's even been disappointed with the likes of Walker he left him out last week mm. for Rico Lewis and it wasn't a case of I'm leaving you out because I'm giving you a rest he put the young lad in because he felt Walker wasn't do- doing enough for him the same with Cancelo who probably hasn't hit the heights this year what he did so I just think to have a couple of more issues than Arsenal at the moment but they're still so strong like when Stephen mentions the Spurs game the other day to make five changes and they still come back and win mm. 4-2 but but I just feel he's rattled at the moment Pep which is a good thing and he speaks about I thought his interview was brilliant about having the fire in the belly and the, the desire mm. and, and at the end of the day Shane you can talk tactics, formations, all you want till the cows come home. It's all about that at the end of the day, the desire. And I, it was almost like he was giving the team and some of them players a kick up the backside to say, we have someone breathing down our necks here. Not even breathing down our necks, they're ahead of us. And we need to up our game if we're going to win the league. You want your fans back, stop charging 70, 80 quid for a ticket. But however, that's a, a different story. I want to talk about the Stephen Kelly derby that's on this evening. Fulham <laughs> versus Spurs. Uh, yeah. Spurs and Conte need a big performance. Uh, it's in Craven Cottage. Fulham, if they win, they, they leapfrog Spurs. I know it's it's unbelievable to think that Fulham are back in around this. It's an amazing. Like I, I had such a wonderful time there, and we were already around nine, eight, seven qualifying for Euro- Europe League. But to the, the, see them back up there on the back of how poor they were the last couple of times in the Premier League, that, that they found the real rhythm about themselves. That like they they, sh- they had great chances against Newcastle game. They could have had a couple of penos. Um, they they they're just in a great position, and Tottenham are the opposite. Tottenham are just. They can't find their feet. They can't get going. They're 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 looking for answers. There's question marks over the manager. Son is just shadow himself compared to what he was last season. Kane is yeah scoring loads of goals, but again doesn't look at it. And um, Bentancur coming back is the only bright spark I can see at the moment because I think he was sensational against City and I think he does totally change things for them in the middle of the park. But yeah, great game. Loved playing in this one as well for both sides. <laughs> predicted, Stephen. Predicted in the world. Come yeah. on. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say. Fulham beat Tottenham at the cottage. 
Fulham beat Tottenham at the college. Stephen Kelly, thanks a million. We're going to take a quick break. We'll have rugby up next. Game on. Rugby. Yes, welcome back to Game On. We will have rugby in a second, but I must apologise to Alan Cawley. I thought he was staying with us. I only thank Stephen <laughs> Kelly for his contribution. So, Alan Cawley, thank you very much, who has left the studio. As we said, rugby is up next, and we're delighted to say Stephen Ferris joins us on the line. Stephen, you must be a happier man after Ulster's performance at the weekend. Yeah, absolutely, Ruby. Um, good to get a, a big win at, at home at the Kingspan Stadium in front of a pretty healthy crowd. And uh, it's a long time coming. We all know that. It's been pretty negative over the last couple of months. But, uh, yeah, I, I think the mindset of Seal, you know, as soon as Ulster got ahead in that game, um, it was only going to go one way. So, you know, fair play to the Ulster lads. A few of the big-name players stood up, the likes of Dwayne Vermeulen, um, Timony in the back row, who's obviously been left out of the Irish squad. He got man of the match in the game, so yeah, job well done. And thanks, thankfully for them, they sneaked into eighth place and pole B of of the Heineken Champions Cup. So, and now a mouth-watering tie. I think it's on the first of April at the, probably going to be at the Aviva Stadium against Leinster. It is against Leinster. That'll be a big one. But it was Ulster pressure, Stephen, from early on. Obviously, Sale took the lead, but the Ulster pressure straight away. Sale ended up with a man in the bean, and then you had Rob Little, Nathan Doak, Billy Burns, McCluskey all across the back line. As soon as they smelt blood, I suppose, they were after it. Yeah, they went after it. And just come through some of the stats for, for the Seal players, and you got to take your hat off to them. They, they showed a lot of resilience. Like, you know, they might the tackles that the eight forwards who started the game made over just over 130 tackles between them like you know um, the back row were immense for them especially Ben Curry who's been called into the England squad uh, big Johnny Hill in the second row some 28 tackles he, he made so it just shows you the pressure that Ulster put them under um, Ulster's skill set was a lot better as well been able to hold on to the ball go through phases uh, and eventually you know the dam burst towards the end of the match and um, you know I, I think the, the subs that come on as well for Ulster certainly helped but no, Seal are sitting in a very healthy position in the in the Gallagher Premiership. Um, I think they're still in second, so you know all their focus will be going on that. Before the break, we were chatting soccer, and we mentioned how mentally resilient Arsenal were in their victory over Manchester United. In terms of a mental victory for Ulster in this win, because they've been so hit and miss, how big of a victory is this? Considering everything was on the line, it was a must-win to continue in Europe. They were what 39 nil? I think they went down in, in, in the return fixture uh, at the AJ Bell Stadium as well so, so for us to put on bad performance and show that resilience as well is, must be so heartening yeah it, it, it's such a good win because um, it might have been a different story if Seal were completely out of the competition and they couldn't qualify but they could qualify you know if Seal had got the win they would have um, you know got into the last 16 so you know, it was a game that both sides had so much to play for um, and you know, when the pressures come on Ulster over the last couple of months, they, they seem to have uh, folded. Um, you know, obviously the last-minute losses as well to half-decent opposition, and that can knock you and knock you. Um, and, you know, I think they did show a bit of resilience, but like as a, a reference there earlier, it was it was more Ulster's big-name signings, the players that could, you know, paid all the cash. They, they were the ones that turned up, and for me, they're the ones that haven't turned up in recent year, or recent weeks. So, you know, when your when your best players are playing well, it makes their life a lot easier for the rest of the lads. And um, yeah, it, it was a gritty performance. Um, it wasn't perfect by a, by a long stretch, but um, you know, it was good to get the job done. And thanks for bringing up Manchester United. By the way, I'm a United <laughs> supporter, so I was jumping around for joy uh, a couple of occasions watching that game. But uh, fair play to Arsenal. A, a mixed weekend for you, Stephen. So <laughs> yeah, it certainly was. 
You mentioned Nick Timoney there not making the Irish squad, but there was a few eyebrows raised when Jacob Stockdale did. How did he think? How do you think he got on? I thought he he, he got better as the game went on. Yeah, he got better as the game went on, and you know, you know yourself, Ruby, you've been there. Um, you can't find form, but you keep playing the player week in and week out until he finds that form that you know he has, or do you drop him here and there, uh, kick up the backside, you know, go away and work on the things that are uh, causing you trouble. Uh, and I think he's just been, I think because of the injury concern as well, the Robert Balakun, who, who's been out the last couple of weeks, he, he sort of had to play. Um, is he the old Jacob Stockfield? Absolutely not. Definitely not. But we all know what his potential is. And um, the challenge now for him is, does he, does he have it in him to get back to the old Jacob? Um, and we'll soon find that out over the next couple of months because if there's an injury or two in the Six Nations squad, you know he's going to be probably starting or on the on the bench for for one or two of these games. So um, it's a big couple of months, not only for him and uh, this season, but potentially for his career, Ruby. And um, you know, there's so much competition in the back three that you know you have a couple of bad games or. You get called upon and you have an absolute howler like he's had a few times this season and you you can be quickly forgotten about. Speaking of Six Nations inclusions and possible inclusions, I do want to get your feelings, Stephen, on John Cooney, who could possibly line out for Scotland. Ben Healy will, he's he's been included, but now um, Gregor Townsend, there's Six Nations launch today and John Cooney is eligible and he he could feature later on in the tournament. What's your your feelings on that? Um... (laughs) Yeah, it's like uh, I've interviewed John. Um, I've been chatting in pre post games about uh, moving to Scotland, and he always gives you a very, very vague answer. Um, and obviously, talks about uh, I'm not sure if it's a mother or father, but somebody directly in the family is born and bred Scottish. And he talked about you know, people don't understand when you have an allegiance to two countries, um, but if I was in his shoes and, and I played for, for, for Ireland. I wouldn't want to be playing for any other team. I think if you asked the vast, vast majority of, of, of footballers, rugby players, hockey players, whatever it may be, if you play for your country, but there's a loophole there to go and play for another country, would, would they do it? And I'd say nearly all of them would say no. So I, I think the rule was sort of brought in to, to help the, you know, the Pacific Islands a little bit more than to help Scotland or England or Ireland, you know, the, the stronger nations. So um, we'll wait and see the space. We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I, I still think that he has a lot to offer um, in the professional game. Is that an international rugby or a rugby world cup in France for Scotland? I'm not so sure. The other thing is that I think, I think um, Scotland have got pretty good scrum halves available to them. And would John Cooney be the difference? I don't think he would. Um, would he make them a better side? I, I don't think he would. The only thing that you could argue is that he's a really good goal kicker um, and that's maybe something that they've been a bit sketchy on. So, yeah, we'll wait and see, but you know, it doesn't really sit well with me. I did enjoy, I think it was Rory O'Connor of the Indo on Twitter today just posed the question of, will it either be Ben Healy or John Cooney who kicks the winning points for Scotland against Ireland in the World Cup? <laughs> <laughs> That would be very, very interesting. <laughs> Obviously, Ulster had a great win, Stephen, but Munster had a, I'm not going to say gallant loss, because it was a good performance though, when you go down by, by four to Toulouse. I absolutely loved the game. Really enjoyed the game. Conditions weren't perfect. I think the ball was pretty greasy. Um, 
you know, Toulouse come out all guns blazing, what were they eight nil up and looked like Munster slipped into their old ways, you know, falling off a few tackles, um, weren't really bringing the intensity and Toulouse squandered maybe one or two opportunities, but it was just down to really good scramble defence from Munster, uh, body on the line stuff, uh, big Gavin Coombs once again, brilliant, you know, 13 carries, 17 tackles, smashing rocks all day long, mauling really hard. So there's a man that could potentially be a big surprise in the Six Nations if he gets a, gets a run. So, yeah, and then they come back into the game and I absolutely loved it. I, I really enjoyed the performance by Munster. I thought some of the, the, the players, Craig Casey at Scrum Half, you know, the, the, the break that he made and the tumble, <laughs> he falls over and gets back onto his feet and gets the ball away. Um, that was one of the tries of the season. Uh, for, for Tag Burn so uh, yeah I think Munster have got a lot to be proud of however that result doesn't really help the position that they ended up finishing in their group because now they've got a really difficult away fixture to the Sharks um, you know the travel to South Africa it's a, a busy part of the, the season as well straight off the Six Nations um, you know will all their players be fit we'll, we'll wait and see but you know, if they keep playing like 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 they did against Toulouse this weekend, they'll be a match for any team. A far from ideal uh, fixture for for Munster and indeed for Ulster as well. They have Leinster away, as as you mentioned earlier. Is is this round three revolution ticking over at the correct pace or just perhaps the expected pace? Say that again. Sorry, the round three, the round three revolution and everything. Oh, the round three. Yes, yeah, okay. so of, of Graham Roundtree there and and being the main man because I think it was Murray Kinsler had a really good article in the forty two uh, today about the the positives that Munster can take and that they're seeing them the the, the best of themselves again. And I interviewed Tyke Byrne, I think it was two weeks ago, um, and he was kind of mentioning it was just it took time for people to understand the transition and to, to understand perhaps new roles and what was being asked of them. So from the outside looking in, Stephen, do you think that the, the revolution of Munster under Graham Roundtree is just happening at the the expected pace. Um, it probably started off a little bit slower than we all were expecting. I think because Graham Roundtree was already in the system, he was already a coach there under Van Gran, um, that he was sort of going to kick on and the slump at the start of the season. Nobody really expected them to be that poor in some of their some of their games, um, but they've turned things around. They, they have. They have a game plan. They stick to it. The other thing for me is that they've got their set piece sorted out as well. Um, their scrum has looked a lot stronger. Uh, John Ryan, obviously being brought in, he's very very solid in there. They they you know, they, they took Toulouse to town a couple of times at the weekend, where you know three months ago they were giving away penalty after penalty around the scrum. We even remember back to the fixture against Connacht, with, where they actually won the game. Probably shouldn't, but you know, they were. So, um, so poor in the scrum. So it, it, it's just tweaking things as they go along, as they keep progressing during the season. They're going to come up against good sides. They're going to come up against weaker sides. He's got to develop his squad. He's got to give guys opportunities that are training well. Um, and I think he's got the balance just right. There's other lads like Fekatoa who come off the bench at the weekend, give them a real burst of energy and a, um, lots of life. You know, fresh the outside centre, playing fantastic rugby. You know, the wings as well, and there's no Zebo and there's no Keith Earls in there, but they look, you know, really eager for work and um, you know, really, really energized. So it's a monster team that, um, if they keep evolving like they are, then you know, come the end of the season where it really, really matters, um, they they will be in with a shout. 
They most certainly will, but they're evolving. But when you look at Leinster, they just keep doing the same thing week in, week out. Slow start at the weekend, but when they turn the burners on after an hour, oh my God, Stephen. Yeah, a few text messages, Ruby, saying, oh, is this the big upset? You know, everybody was expecting one upset of the weekend. Uh, was it going to be this one? And even watching the game in the first 10 minutes, I think it was Jack Conan got in somebody's way, you know, players sort of running similar lines, knocked the ball on, probably going to go over for a try. A couple of minutes later, uh, in the far side, it looked like they were going to go over for a try, and, you know, the ball was knocked on. And it's just like one of those games where, if Leinster had taken those couple of opportunities in, in the first 15 or 20 minutes, it might have been a similar scoreline to, to what it was in the reverse fixture. But, you know, Rassing held in there. They, show, they showed a bit of, um, I suppose maybe they were maybe slightly embarrassed by their performance against Leinster uh, at home. I know it wasn't their home stadium, but over in France, and uh, they were looking a bit of redemption. They didn't get it, but I, I think they can be... a proud of, of the efforts that they showed for the majority of the game um, and they get stuck into Leinster and you know, the physicality was very very high in the game Leinster obviously just showed what they're capable of and made up in the final 20 minutes and scoring 6 tries in the game but um, it was a tight contest for much of it and you know, Leinster are the team to beat, you ask any coach you ask any player, the benchmark is always Leinster and um, they're everybody's favourites this year for both the URC and the Heineken Champions Cup for a reason I know when you're when you're a forward you're always a forward and they're the players you look at forwards but I must say I thought watching Gary Ringrose at the weekend I thought he was incredible and a massive fan and everything he did at the weekend his own selfishness to O'Brien for a try even getting one at the last play of the game himself like he could be he will be huge for Ireland in the Six Nations won't he? Yeah, he will. It's it's amazing. He's not a British and Irish lion, isn't it? He's he's certainly playing like one. Um, he's the captain of Leinster. He's leading by example. He looks like a a guy that doesn't really have to say too much to get his team going. Um, the other guy that you have to give credit to is Ross Byrne. You know how good has he been for Leinster with the Johnny Sexton injury, the facial injury? Um, he's led this this backline really really well. And uh, you know Jordan Armour obviously got yellow card at the weekend, but he's he's been in fine form as well Hugo Keenan he's sort of the glue at the back isn't he people are saying he's a bit like Rob Carney with his aerial skills does he have a, a bit more in his running game possibly um, but yeah it's a, it's a formidable squad of players that Leinster have at their disposal and you know I, I, th- I think their forwards really set the tone for, for, for many of their games and I'm going to go back to that Ruby because uh, I was a forward but you know, you know, like I know that's why I started I was wondering would you even see the, I was wondering would you even see the backs up behind them so I like supporter and, and, and Keller who, who got a start ahead of Sheehan you know played very very well and um, the big man Keelan Norris in the back row is, is absolutely flying at the minute so um, good squad good side and um, you know this game against Ulster I can remember back, jeez, uh, what year was it when you know Ulster met Leinster in the Heineken Cup quarter final and Jacob Stockdale spilt the ball over the line. Um, Ross Byrne, I think, was playing in that game, started that game, and you know that one slipped between the fingers of, of the Ulster team and the Ulster fans, and the one that got away. So it'll be, it's going to be a really intriguing contest when when Ulster travel down to Dublin against Leinster, and hopefully both teams are going to be fully loaded for that game. 
Absolutely, certainly hope so. Stephen Ferris, thank you very much uh, for taking the call. Ruby, just before we hit a break, just to mention Charlie Ryan, uh, who was forced to retire from rugby to injury at the age of just 23. Ryan was a former captain of Leinster A and also led the Ireland under-20 side to a Grand Slam back in 2019. Leinster uh, Rugby had released a statement as well, so just on the topic of Leinster, just to uh, to give Charlie Ryan a mention there, because yeah, retiring at 23 is extremely unfortunate, uh, to say the least. And just to give Connacht Rugby a mention, of course, uh, who missed out on a home fixture in the round of 16 in the Challenge Cup. They lost Newcastle 35-21, so we'll travel to Italy to take on Benetton in the uh, last 16 of that competition. And the tight head prop scored a hat-trick, Finley Bealham. Oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Oh, my God. I, it's, that's Finley. Finley's a good guy. Good character. Good character. Any, any time we interview him, he's uh, full, of, full of beans. Um, okay, we're going to be chatting Gaelic games with uh, John Fogarty of the Irish Examiner in a few moments' time, so stick with myself and Ruby Walsh here on Game On 2 FM. Game On. Gaelic football. Now, you're very welcome back to the final part of Game On this Monday evening. It's great to have your company, Shane Dawson and Ruby Walsh here, and we are joined by a GA correspondent with the Irish uh, Examiner John Fogarty to chat through all the Gaelic Games stories. Just a small matter of Ballyhale Shamrocks winning an incredible ninth All Ireland uh, club hurling title. Uh, David Moran, one of Kerry's greats, retiring. But I do want to start with John Fogarty giving our listeners what is the latest on Glen of Derry versus Kilmacud Croaks and 16th Mangate. Yes, Shane, it's, uh, it's all in Glen's. Uh, court at the moment it's all up to them uh, if they object to this um, where there's there's a strong possibility of a, of a replay and they've got in contact with the Central Competitions Control Committee um, for clarification today about uh, their options and uh, if they are to lodge an objection um, is I understand anyway as do a lot of other members today that it will be looked on favourably now while what McCrow Chemical probes think about that is a, is our, another question entirely. But um, yes, Glenn are in conclave at the moment and discussing uh, what steps to take. They should have to. John, would you agree that they have to object, or should this not be a GA matter? It's a good question, Ruby, in the sense that um, you know the, the, the option is there for the Central Competitions Control Committee to to look at this. But obviously, the first port of call is with the club. So obviously they are highlighting um, they, they have sought clarification which would suggest that they are interested in, in an objection at the same time Alecky O'Rourke has already said that they don't know if um, uh, you know he, he didn't seem to be too interested in it and you have to consider in a way that for 17 minutes of the first half uh, the last 17 minutes and the last 17 minutes of the second half uh, they didn't score so maybe after the game you know he just felt that you know the uh, it was settled on the field and the, the, the better team won but at the same time they weren't given a fair shake at the end of that game there were 16 players on the field and that might come down to the match officials as much as Kilmer could uh, really because uh, the game was allowed to be played and, and, and continued and obviously there was a shot at the end and um, there was one player more than uh, one more player in purple and, and yellow than there should have been um, you know the Central Competition Control Committee could say yeah we're, we're, we're ordering the replay and then you know it could come back and say no we're not interested I know that sounds um, you know like a long shot but again CCCC want they, they basically want the trigger from, from Glenn here to, to go ahead and, and, and to order a replay for integrity for the yeah integrity of the game 
I mean, if Glenn don't object, do the GAA's rules really mean their rules? Well, that, that's it, really. It, 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 is, um, it is one that is, you know, perhaps too much is falling on, on Glenn here, but uh, they really have to take this uh, and consider it because, um, listen, I, I, everybody thought this was a winner on the day. Um, both teams, I understand, both members of management and, and players have had plans to head away and things like that over the next couple of weeks so um, obviously they would park them if there's another opportunity certainly from a Glen side or if McCullough told hold on here hold your horses lads you have to play for the cup again and we have seen it like we have seen games having to be replayed over the last uh, few years um, Leash and Arman a qualifier um in 2016 um, obviously the, the, the famous Offaly Clare one back in 1998 there is precedent uh, in that regard and uh, uh, the suggestions are that we are going to go go to uh, a, a second day perhaps um, on the same card as the Dublin Kildare game in Crow Park this Saturday um, if Glenn are, are willing and uh, to, to go ahead with an objection Sure, the uh, GA or the Crow Park pitch will be delighted with that considering the amount of games that is being played on at present um, I do want to mention Ballyhale Shamrocks John an incredible ninth victory um, as many All-Irelands as all the Cork clubs combined I believe and another stat I read I think Michael Verney had TJ Reid Owen Reid Colin Fenley and Mark Aylward have now six All-Ireland uh, club titles and sit ahead of every club on the roll of honour barred around Ballyhale Shamrocks it's just amazing it's an incredible, incredible for three little villages there in South Kilkenny. Um, but what they have given to, obviously the club, um, you know, they're in their fifty, well, fiftieth year last year, fifty-first year uh, this year in, in existence. It's, it's incredible, Shane. But, um, but hurling is, I know it's been it's a cliche, but it is a religion there, and they've given so much to, you know, what TJ, what Henry have given to, to Kilkenny as much as Shamus has been huge, but. Um, what impressed me so much about them this year like it might not have happened Joey Holden was on holiday for me he was the club hurler of the year uh, he was on holiday and was just convinced back came back his father unfortunately passed away when he came back as well goes on to to, to basically lead uh, Shamrocks to another uh, county title another Leinster title and then another All-Ireland title and to beat Ballygunner like they did and to to make amends for that defeat in the All-Ireland final last year that was huge for them um, obviously Colin Fenley was away during the summer as well he came back and they were just so determined these guys they owed nothing to Shamrocks but clearly they wanted to do something special in the 50th uh, year and that defeat uh, that, after, that I mentioned there to, to Ballygunner that really stick, stuck in their craw and they wanted to they wanted the exact revenge and they got it and then obviously they were given a bit of difficulty by Dunlaw yesterday I thought the scoreboard uh, was a bit unfair to them but um, they you know Shamrocks uh, one through in the end of professionalism just one through for the moment Cody gave an exhibition there particularly in the first half and, and uh, rightful winners once again Rightful winners is right we're a bit tight for time but we can't leave this evening without mention David Moran who has retired as a Kerry footballer an incredible career he had Absolutely Ruby and funny the, the Irish examiner and you'll remember this um, with all your injuries years ago and uh, there was a diagram um, of all the injuries that you sustained during your career and David Moran sustained a hell of a lot of injuries two cruciates um, a torn retina um, the abductor on his groin was ripped off the mu- muscle there um, in the county final the year before last um, ailments left right and centre and let's be honest with you you know the son of an eight time All-Ireland winner that, that was a big uh, mantle 
and uh, for him to come, he always carried nothing. Obviously, he had a couple of difficulties down through the years, but always came bouncing back. And to finish with that performance, albeit uh, defeated performance for Cairns O'Reilly's in that All Ireland semi final, where he just ruled the roost in midfield, it was kind of like a fitting um, a fitting end for him. But to, to win that All Ireland title with Kerry last year, his third in, in total, um, a two time All Star as well, you, you, you couldn't commend the man enough. You could not. An absolute gentleman to boot. We wish him the very best in retirement. John, thanks a million for taking our call. Shane, I think that's about all we have time for. It is indeed, Ruby. Better the Silva is up next after the news and we'll be back at the same time tomorrow, 6pm here on Game On 2FM. RTE 2FM.